State of the Industry podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Hey, FitFam, welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Yangsma. Our guest this week has been a mentor of mine, both personally and professionally, since we first met near the beginning of my career, sat down in a Starbucks here in Toronto, and I am lucky enough now to call him a close friend of mine. He is Di Manuel. Di is a dad and a husband first and foremost, and this is evident if you ever hear him speak or you creep him on social media. Di has spent the past several years traveling the world with his family and coaching his tribe and clients virtually, sometimes poolside from their place in Bali. In addition, he's also an award-winning digital thought leader and author of the Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. He's a distinguished Toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar fitness equipment retail company, and a sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. His coaching is based on five Fs, fitness, family, faith, and finances, with an overarching roof of fun, and his energy and optimism are contagious. I have had the pleasure of sitting in on many of his conference sessions, and I think I consume the content he puts out about as quickly as he can create it. Hopefully, through our discussion during the podcast, Dai can help inspire you to be your best self and in turn assist you in helping others do the same. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome to the State of the Industry podcast, Dai. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Adam. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. I'm glad that we've had some time before we hit record to sort of catch up. I mean, it's been a, a lot of years since we last got to hang out. So this is really exciting. I know it's been a long time. It's actually, I, I still remember back to the first time that we sat down, it was at the CanFit Pro World Fitness Expo. And we went yes. to, I believe we went to a Starbucks just kind of down the street and we sat and chatted yes. and that was my first time. And at that time, and this is going to sound bad, I didn't actually know who you were. I was just told that from CanFit Pro that I had to speak with you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from that discussion, just the the kindness of, um, you know, kind of what you said, because you actually uh, are a, a huge mentor of mine throughout the years. Like we've had a lot of conversations about business, um, yeah. actually even just pre this call about business, about structuring. And, and um, so like, I'm hugely thankful for that opportunity when I was actually pushed to speak with you and that we've been able to maintain this over yes. um, several years and uh, hanging out, going for dinners in Vancouver yeah. a couple of times. And 
So yeah, just really, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and, and taking oh, some nice. time to, to share some of your expertise. Ah, well, I really appreciate that, Adam. And, uh, you, you know, it's been, uh, well, it's fun to reconnect because I'm finally back in North America. So we're on somewhat of a similar time zone, <laughs> yeah. which is nice, makes things a little bit easier. Um, but also more importantly, you, you know, I'm just honored uh, to, to, have, to be a guest on your show because well, to be quite honest, uh, it is full circle. And yeah. it's just neat to also see how your platform has grown and developed both organically, but also just with a whole pile of hard work and focus. And uh, so I, I just want to commend you and what you're doing for the industry as a whole. It's uh, especially now during these times. I mean, it's, it's needed even more so. We, we yeah. need strong leaders that are willing to shine a light and lead, you know, and show us where the little potholes are so we can, you know, yeah. overstep those or, or step uh, to the side to, to avoid them. And, and so I see the content you're creating and it's really doing a lot for people like myself in this industry that, well, you can't have a short supply of knowledge, right? Like yeah. We all need a little bit more help. And yeah. uh, so it's really cool to see you creating content that's really helping a lot of people. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Because yeah, yeah, it's been, awesome. a, yeah, as you said, a lot of hard work, a lot of hours. Yes. And I think yeah. oftentimes people don't maybe recognize the amount of time and the amount of effort mm -hmm. that goes in. They just see the finished product, right? right. So even with right. the stuff that you put together, the, because uh, I know I've been to a few of your conference sessions mm -hmm. um, out in uh, the Vancouver Canfit Pro, I think was the first time I ever sat in yes. on one of your, your marketing or social media conference sessions. And yeah, just the amount of work that you've put in. I know I've sat in on a few of the free webinars that you've done. Yeah, yeah. And um, just man, the amount of notes that I have from that, <laughs> from that session alone, and that was a free session, so I could only wow. like, yeah. Um, so, drink yeah, from the fire hose, right? Like oh my it's, gosh! It's a <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I laugh at that too, man. It's uh, I, sometimes when I get excited, I, I forget that I've been doing this for 14 years. It, yeah. You know, well, I've been in the fitness space for now my 25 years, 25th yeah. year of making money in the fitness and wellness space, but really in the marketing side of things, you know, 14 years of content generation. And I, I forget about how much you just gain just by doing, right? Yeah. Just by going through the process and yeah. and making a lot of mistakes along the way. You Anyways, yeah, thanks for that uh, little trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm a little bit, I think I'm a little bit hard headed with that. I'm a, I'm a, like I'll watch YouTube or I'll go to a conference session, but I won't necessarily ask for help all that often. Mm. It'll be a trial and error thing, which actually takes a right. lot more time. And that's sure. my stubbornness. It takes mm. a lot more time to do the things. And oftentimes you get frustrated and then you kind of throw it around like to the wayside <laughs> and then you start with something else. Yeah. And um, so that's actually kind of where I want to take this entire conversation is cool pulling a little bit of your expertise in uh, many areas from social media marketing to mm. talking about um, automization of, of pretty much everything that you do from emails to websites to um, even mm. monetization of memberships and those types of things. And then just about the tribe, like you talk about mm. tribe all the time. Uh, like you are the first person who I ever heard that from is creating a tribe. Mm. And so, yeah, I just want to like, I want to get into all of that because then we can help save other PTs or other yes. um, content creators from making the same mistakes that I make constantly still, because I'm also, um, uh, I'm a difficult learner when it comes to that. Apparently. <laughs> so, uh, so that kind of brings me to kind of the first question that I have for you is yeah. for people who don't maybe necessarily know what you do, 
can mm. you just walk us through kind of um, one, your path through the industry so far? So the past mm, 25 sure. years to kind of 14 years ago when you started doing a lot more marketing yeah. and uh, kind of what you actually do, because you have like, when I, when I look on Instagram at your profile and it goes through all the things that you do, I'm like, all right, that, that, like, that's a lot of things that I really want to know more about. Right. <laughs> so can you just kind of walk through that, that process and, and sure. what you do? Yeah, well, it's a, uh, gosh, it's an interesting question, isn't it? I, I always laugh at that uh, only because, you know, being someone that's been working as an entrepreneur for so long, uh, we often get asked that question, you know, what do you do? You know, and, and I, I've always struggled to answer it succinctly. The only reason being is I, I tend to find that I have a lot of things that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. And I always feel that if I give an answer, will that limit my potential? Will it limit <laughs> the stuff I can do? Right. Because yeah. it's like, as soon as you say it, well, now you got to own it and you got to walk into that and yeah. live that. And, and now people are going to expect you to continue to just do that. And, and that so almost becomes the defining feature, right? Well, that's just yeah. right. 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 It becomes this like, uh, um, like a cornerstone, right? It becomes yeah. this part of, of how we define who we are. And, and it just seems like such a big question. And uh, so I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible with this response. But, you know, I didn't naturally come to fitness uh, or, or the industry as a whole uh, naturally, uh, only because I, from the age of nine to 14, I was classified as morbidly obese. I was a really big kid. And I, I got there all on my own volition, you know, like I, I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to give any excuses, but I, I just overate. And a lot of, you know, very nutrition, poor foods, <laughs> high in calorie. Uh, and I played a lot of video games, watched a lot of movies. And I was just, I was the cliche, you know. Yeah. Um, but back then, you know, I'm 43 now. So if you go back in the day, of how many years ago this was, you know, when I was 14, 15 at my largest, uh, childhood and obesity weren't really two words that would typically be associated with each other. Not like today, you know, like it's, yeah. it, we, we recognize it's a global issue, right? Yeah. And um, it's one of the things that I'm, I, I speak off on uh, quite quite often, but it's also a big motivator for why I do what I do. Is, yeah. is I, I see the state of unhealth globally, and, yeah. and I think we're all hyper aware of this, especially right now, with the pandemic, and 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 because it's it's just tip of the tongue. It's it's everywhere right now. We're talking about health in, in different capacities, and and what happens when we lose it, uh, mm -hmm. or we lose the, the the ability to maintain it, and uh, you know I made some changes. Took about 20 months, um, but almost before my 18th birthday, I had you know just stepped into this new way of living my life. I was yeah. active every day, just moving my body with purpose. I was fueling myself to thrive rather simply feeding myself to survive, you yeah. know, looking for those instant gratification moments of eating ice cream or eating those things that create that little bit of a dopamine hit where I get, oh, that felt good. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, like, oh, I want some more, you know, like I, I just had to put an end to that cycle and going through that process. And this is really what got me into the, the wellness industry and the fitness industry was going through this personal change myself. You know, uh, mm -hmm. there was people there that supported me, that coached me, that mentored me. Uh, there was the library <laughs> was a big piece and, and my kids laugh. I'm like, yeah, I'm older than Google. And, <laughs> you know, I went to the library. I got books out on, on nutrition and on fitness. And I remember reading those. I remember yeah. reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, yeah. right? Like some of the old Weeder principles and, and yeah. some of their old books and magazines. And, uh, you know, just, 
Today, there's even fewer excuses because we, we, we have so much information and yeah. almost too much, right? So decision fatigue is a real thing. You know, yeah. we, we're faced with too many choices and we can only exercise that muscle so many times in a day. And once we flexed it, it's like, oh, it's done. You know, I, I, I got to wait till tomorrow before I, I can even think about other things. And yeah. uh, so on that note, going through my own personal changes, there's people that helped me along the way. And then all of a sudden I started living those changes started gaining a lot of extra confidence, which people find when you have your health, it's amazing how we feel less stressed, feel more able to do cool things. And, 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 you know, the, the likelihood of saying yes is much more because we feel confident that by saying yes, we can actually follow through with it. Yeah. You know, it's, Oh, you want to go hike or you want to uh, try stand up paddleboarding or you want to try this new sport you've never even thought about doing before. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm like a, yes, I'll try it. Sure. I may not be good at it, but I'll try it. Cause I know I have the, at least the foundation that I can. Yeah. And so it's that confidence that I got really excited in helping other people uh, uh, maintain or, yeah. or not even maintain, but get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, people started asking me for help, like even f friends of my parents, you know, people that were more than twice my age saying, gosh, my gosh, you, 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 can you help me? I want to make some changes. And yeah. this is my first taste of coaching of mentorship of other people, like supporting others in these types of transformations. And I got really excited because for once in my life, people were taking me seriously and actually listening to what I had to say, which was a, that was a new thing. Yeah. I never had that experience before. And I was like, wow, they really care about what I say. They're going to do this stuff and I can help create a positive result for them. Wow. Imagine if I could do this every day. And hence that got me into fitness, you know, eventually yeah. becoming a personal trainer and a coach and got into rock climbing and belaying and, and, uh, helping people with that. And then got into kickboxing and spin classes and, you know, just, you know, what happens, people get yeah. the bug and they're yeah. like, this is going to be part of my life. I'm going to do whatever I can to stay here. Yeah. But, you know, fast forward a few years later, getting into my early twenties, moved out to Vancouver from Toronto and, uh, I, you know, life happens you realize that there's only so many hours in a week and yeah. sometimes you got to learn how to prioritize certain things. And I realized that I was committing so much to fitness and, and trying to help others that at some point in time, I was putting my own needs on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think there's probably people listening to this like, Oh yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go work on that and then I'll work on me. And then, you know, yeah. that me part never seems to, to, to get, to the front burner, you know, just stays on that back burner. And uh, I uh, eventually found myself, well, I went in to buy a heavy bag because I was into kickboxing and boxing. And uh, so I wanted a heavy bag for home and went into a, a local Vancouver company uh, and befriended the manager there who was selling the fitness equipment and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing something like this? And I was like, well, no, what, what does that mean? And it was commissioned, you know, commissioned sales environment. I never worked in that kind of a thing before. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of exciting then because you're like, you I mean, the more people I help, the more people I can help find a fitness equipment solution to help change their lives, the more people I can help do that, you're going to pay me more? And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, I want to impact as many people as I can. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's go. And I excelled very, very quickly at that. I realized that I had this ability to, to serve people in that capacity very, very well. Yeah. And I started to be remunerated very, very well for that. And uh, so I found that most of my time now, I, I went away from personal training, especially the one-on-one -on -one side of things, uh, even the coaching, running classes, all that stuff started to, to, to just say no to that because I started looking at my time. Where was the better use of my time, professional mm -hmm. time? So the time that I generate income with. And 
I didn't want to add more hours because at the same time I, I was just getting into a serious relationship, starting to have kids a couple years later, you know, so time was the one asset I realized I only had so much of yeah. and I couldn't get any more of it. You know, like once it was gone, it was gone. And I was like, okay, well, how am I going to invest future time? And so I went all in on this uh, sales side of things and, and excelled very quickly. And a few years later, uh, had an opportunity to, to split off and start a separate new company in the same industry, mm -hmm. um, but separate from the national chain. And uh, I could be a co-founder and, and help build that. Yeah. as a founder, as an owner, as someone that's going to be in a very senior role and help scale. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm all in, let's do this. And uh, that, that was literally 17 years of my adult life and working in that capacity, selling fitness equipment uh, commercially in retail environments. We had eight retail stores, a couple B2B enterprises, manufacturing overseas, yeah. warranty companies, delivery companies, service companies. Like it, it was a lot of work, you yeah. know, uh, but I learned a lot. And it was amazing until it wasn't, you know? And <laughs> so just uh, a little over five years ago, got to a point, I was like, you know what? Kind of wanting to change. Um, because if I go back, uh, like I said, 14 years ago, I had a bit of a split where I was building our commercial brand, our, our, our company's brand. And so for people like, like yourself, Adam, you yourself are a brand. You yourself as an individual have certain beliefs and, and, and operating systems within <laughs> and, and value systems that help you dictate how you, you invest your time and, and your energies and it guides you. Uh, but you also have a corporate professional brand. And, and sometimes these two align and sometimes they don't, right? And, and I realized very quickly after going down the path of learning as much as I could from a guy by the name of Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V, who I know you yeah. know who he is and people that are listening, it's like, if you don't know who he is, look him up. <laughs> yeah. uh, very prolific marketer. And he yeah. really owns the space. As soon as you, you know, search him once, he'll follow you everywhere because of the retargeting campaigns. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I read his first printing of a book called Crush It. And it changed my perspective on marketing. It changed my perspective on where I felt the world was going. Some of the things he was speaking about was very novel, very new, and was going against the grain of what a lot of us believed at the time, which was like, oh, TV, print, <laughs> radio, <laughs> you know, yeah. even local events, uh, like all those things. And he was saying, well, listen, you can leverage time a lot more effectively, make a greater impact and, and, and serve a greater audience if you start leveraging these amazing things called social media channels, you know, or, or social platforms. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really got excited about that and started to dive into that. And I realized I needed to start developing my own personal brand as alongside of the corporate brand that we were building. Yeah. Because my personal opinions didn't always line up with the corporate opinions. And so there was this bit of a split. And during that time of building my personal brand, uh, within a few years, it outgrew our corporate brand. Mm -hmm. I had greater impact because, you know, we were only branding our retail locations, which had a geographical location. You could only serve so many people. So it was hyper-targeted where my, my personal brand, I didn't have any more boundaries. Yeah. And I think this is what a lot of trainers have been experiencing. You know, some have sort of tripped and, and fallen into this or felt forced into it. But you started to focus more efforts online and online marketing and building online systems to now serve clients. You realize that, oh, I can have a client in London, England, or I can have one in Bali, Indonesia, or I can have one in Brisbane, Australia. You know, like it, you're, you're no longer dealing with all the extra uh, uh, 
objections of working with people cross borders because that's how the world operates now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. The limiting factor is always us, right? It's, yeah. that, it's never uh, what we're actually trying to do, but it's just the limiting factors that we put on ourselves. And um, so, yeah, I, I made some changes. And my wife was very encouraging and really the, the one helping uh, me feel confident that we were on the right path, believing that we can do this together and we can go off. And, and so Christy helped uh, edit my book, uh, The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, which yep. released about five years ago. At the same time, I was just stepped away from my career. A month later, she stepped away from hers. Uh, we pulled the kids out of school a few months after that, gave away all of our stuff, packed up an SUV, whatever we couldn't fit. We said bye to, and we started traveling. And, uh, you know, we didn't really have a lot of savings. We had invested a lot of that in other things and other vehicles. And, uh, but I had enough coming in from what I was doing online, which was working with various brands, doing speaking engagements, uh, as well as coaching clients online. Uh, you know, I had enough coming in from that, that if we downsized our lifestyle, Right? which I actually feel we upstyled our lifestyle. <laughs> uh, only from the standpoint, we became less focused on things and more focused on experiences. Yeah. And relationships and community and connection. Those became our currency of choice. Uh, and, and in doing so, we realized we actually didn't need as much cash coming in mm -hmm. to sustain that. And this is a very... Uh, positive experience for us because before that point, you, you know, it, it was really easy to say, well, I got two kids, I got a home, we got two vehicles. Like we just, we have all this stuff, all these responsibilities. There's no way I can leave my career right now. Cause it's a very comfortable income. Yeah. I know it really well. I could do this in the next 20 or 30 years. And I know we'd be absolutely fine. You'll have a great life, you know, but do I want to do it the next 20 or 30 years? Is that really what I want? Yep. And that was the scariest part was actually coming to that realization that it wasn't what I wanted anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and I think a lot of people feel this, you know, if you feel stuck in a career, you keep doing it, but it's like, I, I just don't see any other out. Even if I switch industries right now, I'm starting at the bottom again. Oh my goodness. And I've worked yeah. so hard to get to this certain level, yeah. you know, to, to reach this certain status uh, it, within an industry. It can be very, very scary to think about leaving that. Mm -hmm. And uh, trust me, I had a lot of fear, a lot of yeah. doubts, a lot of concerns. But there, and this is how I'll end this piece, um, is it got to a point where I was more afraid of the idea of continuing doing what I was doing. Yeah. And then being in a position 20 years later and reflecting back, my wife and I sitting there saying, hey, you remember that 20 years ago where we thought about going off and chasing our dream of being a full-time family and traveling the world? Like, sheesh. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I really wish we did that. You know, I was more afraid of that conversation than I was afraid of the conversation of saying, forget it. Let's both quit our jobs. Let's do this thing. Let's try it. Yeah. You know, that I was less afraid of that because really at the end of the day, and Tim Ferriss talks about this in his TED talk, you know, he talks about fear setting, yep. this idea of trying to rationalize fear. Yep. And the best way to do that is really start asking yourself, well, what is the worst thing that could happen? Yep. And, and Christy and I both agreed. Worst thing that could happen is we run out of money <laughs> and we got to go move in with one of our parents and find jobs and, and just rebuild. Yeah. That's the worst. I'm like we're both very employable. I think that's okay. We can handle that, yeah. you know? And uh, so away we went and we haven't looked back since. 
you know, so it's uh, that's sort of been the journey. And now what do I do? Well, I support others both uh, on their personal development, but also on professional development. And I support them through coaching, through mentorship, uh, even at times going into their businesses with them and helping them restructure and, and create the systems and the operations, because that is my background, <laughs> as well as the marketing. And, uh, you know, once you get all those pieces working for you, it's amazing how it, it creates the space to focus on the things that you really love. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're all striving for. We want to do more of the things that we love, <laughs> less of the things that we don't. And, and in a way, uh, be able to continue on that path of, of chasing the vision, right? Yeah. Whatever the vision is we have for our lives, I think we always need a vision. We always need a direction that we're going. But it's a lot more empowering to feel that we're, we're actively going in a direction because we chose to. Yeah. Not because we have to. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I get to do this. I get to celebrate this. My wife reminds me of this all the time. She is a, a perpetual optimistic <laughs> kind of person. And uh, to the point that, it, and, and she's probably within your shut, she can probably hear this, but uh, at times it can be a bit overwhelming because it's like, I just want to have a pity party. I don't want to, you know, like, just let me enjoy my, my, my bitchiness right now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but she'll be very quick to, to, to just shift that perspective so quickly. And uh, we, we all need that kind of a cheerleader in our lives. Yeah. So, uh, so that's sort of what I do. And I still do a lot of speaking, uh, a little bit less. I had a number of talks like yourself, Adam, I had events canceled <laughs> yeah. this year or rescheduled for next year, yeah. but a number of them also pivoted to online. So I've, I've been in the last few weeks, I've done two keynotes, you know, but they were all virtual, yeah. you know, like very different, but it's the world we live in, you know, you got to be able to be flexible and willing to adapt when you need to. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a dad of two beautiful teenage girls. They're 15 and 17. Uh, I've been dating my wife for 20 years. And those, when you look at my Instagram, are yep. the very first two things I list because, yep. quite frankly, those are the most important titles in my life. Yep. You know? So, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a, basically a nine-minute preamble of, of how I got to where I am right now. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we can get into the weeds a bit, but that's sort of the 10,000-foot view. Yeah, and I love that because that was actually when I first went on your Instagram way back when we first mm -hmm. met. Uh, actually, maybe even before we met because I was wanting to do some pre-research before I actually talked mm -hmm. to you. Um, that was the first actually thing that caught my eye. And I always love that saying, like dating my wife, right? Yes. I just love that because like uh, my wife and I are the same way. Now, we haven't been married for 20 years. It's only been just over a year, but we, we think in the exact same way of mm -hmm. like, of constantly like, don't get in this rut of this is life now. It's like yes. the life is dating and dating is still a thing. And, you know, making sure that you have time for just you and your wife, that you have time with each child individually. And then mm -hmm. as a group as well, yeah. I think is a really big thing for, either current parents or aspiring parents to, to really understand that the yes. family started when you got married, you're growing the family with kids. And like, I think that that concept is, uh, is very important because each of those relationships constantly needs to be nurtured or else mm. it, the same thing will happen that could happen with your business or your clients. And like, they just start to feel, oh, this is just routine now. It's nothing new. It's boring. It's, yes. you know, um, yeah, like I made a few notes while you were talking because a lot, like there was a lot in that, you know, I guess it, it ended up being yeah. a 10 minute preamble <laughs> of what you do and how you do it. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot in there that I kind of wanted to tease out, but the, the first is, um, just kind of, I guess, three big points. So I had a conversation with Perry Nicholson, who I believe you're familiar with stop chasing pain. He's the guy oh, who, uh, yes. who came up with yes. that company and he's just, a. Yes. 
he is um, like, I, like right in line with you, just the like a, a really good human being, right? Mm-hmm. Like just a phenomenal person as a whole. And uh, he is so generous with his time, much like you are. And he's constantly just wanting to help people however he can. And But one of the things that caught me in a, not in the podcast that I did with him earlier on, but a different podcast that I listened to of his in preparation was that he actually said that he was the one who was holding himself back from success in his own business because Mm. he was scared of the rejection that he might encounter if he stepped out and took that, that, uh, that step. Right. Yeah. And I think what you said was the same kind of thing. Right. And so reframing that fear, as you said, like that Tim Ferriss, Mm -hmm. which I've, I've watched that, that, probably two or three times yeah because just i like it's something that you constantly have to remind yourself of in in whether you're a a a pt or you are a uh like a business owner like an educator like like i am uh you're an educator and you're a coach right like you constantly have to remind yourself when you're coming into a new situation like Mm -hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen if i do take this Mm -hmm. step if i do decide to open up this fitness facility, or if I do decide to leave this commercial gym and go to online training or this or that. Um, So I think that's often something that we don't actually evaluate all that often in our own business is, is we almost like ride things out too long (laughs) instead of asking the questions (laughs) earlier about, is this actually what I want to end up doing? And not like you're going to change it immediately, but you're setting the stage and you're preparing for what's coming next. Um, yes. yeah. So I just loved how you, how you spoke to that all throughout that, you know, the, that nine or 10 minutes, um, <laughs> that it was fearful. It was something that you had oh, to have man. a conversation about, right. Cause that's, that's, yeah. man, that's so uncomfortable being in that situation where you're like, I'm leaving my job. I'm oh. stepping out to do something on my own Sheesh. and there's nothing that's guaranteed right now other than what you currently have online. Yeah. Right. Um, Because I think that was one of the questions, like the big turning point uh, between you going from, uh, you know, the co-founder of a a fitness um, company that was selling equipment to just leaving everything and going online. Cause like you, you had a, you had a place in Bali that you were in for a long time and you still have that place uh, though you're here in Canada now, but um, yeah, just like the, like I just think about, okay, could I, in my current state, like mindset, right? Thinking about mindset versus, you know, my actual ability to do it is like, could I pick up everything or dry, I guess drop everything yeah. and go live in Bali and do what I wanted to do? And right now I'm not set up. And so that's what I actually want to use all of this for. Yeah, I love it. Well, yeah. you know, just to, real quick on that, it, it's uh, the life by design you know, you have to design it before you can optimize it. Yeah. And, and I think that is uh, or I always relate it back to three P's, you know, that you, you first of all have to have a passion. Then you want to try to align that with your purpose, you know, and, and hopefully once you've got those two things figured out, you can then, you know, create a process or yeah. adhere to an already existing process. And I think that's the cool thing is we're seeing that there's a lot of amazing people out there with great expertises, that, that can teach and support and mentor a lot of us through yeah. the content they're creating and, and the courses they're creating. I, just, we have so much access to, yeah. to make the changes. So it makes that, that transition 
mm-hmm. a little bit less fearful, a little yeah. easier to say yes, but also be in a position where we feel confident in saying yes. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, maybe, because I'll be frank with you, you know, straight up here. It was two years from the time I had this, that, that first thought of like us doing this to the point when I actually had my last day of work. Yeah. Two years. Two years. It wasn't like I made a decision next week. I quit. You know, like I, I wish it was that quick because it's the one thing that people often say is like, what, what, you know, is there anything you regret? And I'm, I'm like, I'm regret I didn't make the leap sooner. You know, yeah. like that, that is the, the one thing that I, and you'll hear that often from people. It's like especially people that <laughs> yeah. leave the corporate and move into the personal entrepreneurial space. It, yeah. You know, there's lots of, lots of fears there to overcome, but usually the one regret that always comes up is I just wish I did it sooner. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's beautiful, but it's also really cool to see you creating these systems now for your own business because you have a vision uh, of for you, your family and, and that, that personal life. Right. Yeah. And I, I think this is why a lot of us are attracted to the fitness industry is it's a great place to build a lifestyle business, a business yeah. that supports the life that we want to be living versus compromising our life and lifestyle to fit a career. Yeah, which is I, I felt very much in that space, especially the last few years. Like that's I had to compromise a lot of the things that I wanted in my life in order yeah. to satisfy the responsibilities that I signed up for, that mm-hmm. I committed to. Like I don't begrudge my work. Yeah, I said yes. They hired me to do a role. I did that role, and unfortunately, I outgrew that, and I wasn't feeling fulfilled any longer. Yeah, and I could not deal with that any longer. You've probably seen the movie Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Uh, and I share this every once in a while in my presentations where I, I talk about I had a Jerry Maguire moment. I wrote a personal manifesto that was 14 pages long. I wrote it on a plane ride from Vancouver to Toronto when I was going out to visit my mom because I was in I was burnt out from work. I got burnt yeah. out. I was like, I need a couple weeks just to go and recover and recuperate. But I felt inspired that I wanted to get clarity in my life. So I wrote a personal manifesto. And in that, I shared all the personal ambitions and goals that I had for my life over the next five years. But I also talked about the company and where I envisioned the company going over the next five years. Unfortunately, my business partner at the time never even read it. Hmm. And that was when I made the decision, this is no longer the path for me. Yeah. Was that, that, that was the one incident that I just, I still haven't. And I, I, I don't really harbor negative feelings around anymore, but I was hurt. Yeah. I was really hurt at the time because, yeah. you know, I worked with him for 17 years he was my first real professional mentor and yeah. and you know i presume that it would have got more attention than it did yeah and uh so it, it was ultimately uh that straw that that yeah. broke the camel's back as the, the cliche says uh, yeah. and uh but i'm very grateful for that yeah because had we actually looked at it, i think life would be very different today i probably wouldn't have lived in bali for two and a half years you know yeah like, it, it just everything happens for a reason i, I yep. will continue to believe that and, yeah. But we have to realize we give it reason. Yeah. Victor Frankl, yeah. Man's Search for Meaning, most profound book I've ever read. If people haven't read that book, please read it. Uh, Victor Frankl, he's the, the father of logotherapy. So it's really all about living a purpose-filled life and chasing life to feel fulfilled, You know, choosing that path of enlightenment, if you will, or whatever fulfills you and, and, and getting aligned with your purpose. Yeah. You know, like, as Simon Sinek says, what's your why, right? Yeah. Start with why. And yeah. uh, so there's all these great thought leaders. And, and when you align with that, wow, it's, it's pretty powerful what you can do. You know, because uh, yeah. it does give you incredible clarity, and with clarity comes confidence, and with confidence comes purposeful action. Yeah. So it's like just get out of your own way, right? Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. and me, I, I'm very good at getting my own way. So I, I, I speak <laughs> to this from both sides of the fence. Okay. <laughs> I think I think we all are. I think we're all really good at getting in our own way. Crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, so uh, yeah, 
here we are. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you brought up a big thing because this is actually one of the things that I wanted to talk about is you mentioned that it took about two years to finally go from like when you kind of made the decision that that's what mm -hmm. you wanted to do to actually leaving. Yeah. And so one, like what in like, you say you regret not leaving earlier. So can you just walk through kind of sure what could have happened, but also what challenges that you faced in that time, both professionally and like with your family, because that's a big decision to make as a professional, as a, as a, as a father with a family, that's a yes. big decision to make. Yes. And I, I know you involve your, like your family in every single thing that you do. Um, but just kind of walk through some of those challenges that you faced. Yeah. So thanks for asking and framing it that way. Cause it's, uh, I've uh, worked with a number of my own clients and just also friends, you know, that are, are sort of find themselves in this transitionary period in their own lives where they're, they're especially right now in the last few months, you know, there's been a lot of people like, geez, my industry is going to change forever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to be in this industry anymore. I might want to do something different, you know, and they're, they're looking at this period of time as an opportunity to actually treat that very seriously, you know, because yeah. there's, there is a bit of space created right now, mm -hmm. as much as there is stress and anxiety along with it, there is also just space to actually, if we give ourselves time to sit and reflect and actually ask some tough questions, uh, there's opportunity to find clarity, you know, and, and, and at least some direction on, yeah. on next steps. And, uh, for myself, I mean, the biggest challenge was, is I was in a senior role. I was a shareholder and minor shareholder. I wasn't like the majority shareholder. I was more of the workhorse and, and my partner was the finance guy, right? He was yeah. the money guy. And uh, he was also 20 years my senior. So he had all that extra years of, of income generation and business development and just, just wisdom, right? Yeah. Um, so we were in very different situations in life. His kids were at the point just going off to university. You know, I'm, I'm, my kids are just, you know, getting into grade school. Yeah. <laughs> so very different stages of life. Yeah. However, you know, going through that process of really asking myself, uh, you know, these are things I'm really passionate about. Could I actually potentially earn an income doing some of these things? Mm -hmm. Like speaking, you know, yep. I, I remember, I mean, a lot of people, they, they speak at Cantrip Pro in our industry, you know, or, or they, at least they want to, because it's yeah. a wonderful venue. It's a great audience. It's, it's a community of like-minded individuals. So I remember aspiring to that initially and, and doing some free talks initially. And then eventually, you know, once they, they see the value and they, they have a program where they remunerate speakers. Yeah. Like, wow, this is kind of cool. I can actually make a little bit of money and get some travel covered and, Wow, I mean, this could be a regular thing. This is kind of cool. And I mean, I know you know this, Adam. This is like your life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you speak much. all over the world, man. It's yeah. but there's a great deal of satisfaction that, and you can actually earn a really good income from that. Mm -hmm. And but I didn't want that to be my only income. You know, I wanted to do other things. I wanted to to speak more. I wanted to work with charities. I wanted to have a little bit more freedom of time, you know, so I wasn't working the traditional nine to five or nine to six or, or, or the, also the weekends or the holidays, you know, like we worked in retail. Yeah. You don't close in retail, you know, I mean, there's retail spaces and when the doors aren't open, we're not paying rent, but we're getting charged rent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so your, your mentality in retail is very different. And uh, so for many years, I didn't take Christmas holidays. I just didn't mm -hmm. because that's when we made hay, yeah. you know, anybody in the fitness space knows come January 1st. I mean, there's a lot of people very motivated yeah. <laughs> to make some lifestyle changes. Maybe short-term so motivation, but yes, short term, yes. <laughs> but, but you know, we know there's industry trends yeah. and so you have to be on deck to, to, to do your best within those, those peak periods. And, uh, so it just got to a point though, you know, that was two years before 
why there was two years was I wasn't a senior role. I was a partner. I knew it was a role that couldn't be replaced within two weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I felt responsible to, yeah. to be able to, to give adequate notice. Um, and, and so I actually gave just over a year's notice okay. when it finally came down to having that conversation saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Yeah. And it originally was just going to be a one year sort of uh, taking a year off from the business to, yeah. to travel with the family. And But as we got closer and closer to the day of us actually leaving, my wife and I realized that, you know, it's not going to be a year. It's not going to be two years. It's not going to be 10 years. It's like, I yeah. don't envision me ever going back to this. Yeah. And, and then now. that was the, the introspection though, that really had to happen. Yeah. Like I had to get absolutely certain that this was really what I wanted. Yeah. I think a lot of us have ideas of something that we want. We see somebody's post on Instagram and like, Oh, that sounds really cool. I'd really love to be able to do that too. It's more than just that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, I love people that can just read something, just take action and, and make something happen. It's a very rare trait. Uh, but every once in a while you hear about those stories, right? It's just yep. like, action right away results right away and i'm like wow i wish things came that easy (laughs) (laughs) i really do where's the button you know that was yeah um but uh so yeah would i have liked to have left earlier yes but to be honest adam in in reflecting on this and if if i'm being perfectly transparent with you the person i was two years prior when i first having those feelings to the person i was when i finally left Mm -hmm. were two very different people yeah because in those two years i had very focused uh time outside of my career that was based uh, on building the foundation. So when I did transition away, I wasn't going to uh, something that wasn't going to at least provide for the minimum requirements my family needed. Yeah. You know, I needed that uh, confidence. You know, I needed to be sure that, you know, I wasn't going to put my family into a bad position by making this choice. And what was very useful, and this is what I encourage people to do, is get really clear on what you want versus what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so uh, I do recognize that some people are in positions where they're careered, salaried position with amazing benefits, uh, maybe even amazing pension. Mm-hmm. S- stepping away from something like that would be a lot more challenging, I believe, than what I stepped away from. And I like mm-hmm. to acknowledge that, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of other things that you've built there. And yeah. to just walk away from that, that is a, a very big piece. I, I know a number of people in the online space and some of them still have government jobs and they're like, I'll never leave it. It's just, it's, it, it is the comfort and the, the confidence that they want for their family, even though yeah. they hate what they're doing. Yeah. They've told me, I hate it. I don't yeah. like it. I receive zero enjoyment from this. I've been doing it so long, but I, I'm never going to leave it. I, I can't, you know, yeah. that's the language. Like that's their language. Yeah. You know? that's a scary place to be. Yeah. And that was a place ultimately I didn't want to be. And yeah. uh, so just going through the steps of getting really clear on, well, how much money do I need? Yeah. Do I need a little bit of a cushion in the bank? You know, how much do I really need? How much do we need to, to, to actually do what we want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do it in a way that I'm not stressed. Yeah. I'm not anxious. Yeah. And it's not, you're, you're not that paycheck number, for paycheck. Yeah. No, exactly. And yeah. when I figured out what that number was and we got pretty honest with that we realized it was a fraction of what we were, uh, spending mm-hmm. in our old lifestyle. Yeah. You know, with our place downtown, two vehicles, all the insurances, you know, uh, food and transport and kids activity, like, geez, it was just, it piled up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we realized that this other lifestyle where we were going to be together a full time traveling, experiencing uh, communities and, and, and other countries, uh, yeah. we realized it was going to be far less 
than what we were requiring to live the life that we were living. So it was like, it became much, uh, it, it felt like I took off a heavy backpack. You yeah. know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I, can, I feel a lot lighter about this because I feel way, I, I, I realize that this is something I can do. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we, we need that confidence to really transition fully, like to make that full leap yeah. and trust in the process, trust that journey that is going to be okay. Uh, it's nice to have that foundational confidence in place. And yeah. uh, so those are just little exercises, little things I invite people to, to, to start to have conversations with those people in your family that you know will be impacted by the decision. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like you brought up a good, like, I, I love the word lifestyle, right? Like when you're mm -hmm. looking at like, what lifestyle do you currently have? And, and yeah, you can separate into the to needs and wants. Like, what do you need? What do you want? And when you look at like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. When you figure yeah. out that, but there's different levels of shelter, right? So like shelter could be you own a million dollar mansion, mm. or maybe in Toronto would be yeah. like $4 million mansion because <laughs> right. a million dollars might buy you a townhouse, but a million dollars, you know, a few million dollars for a mansion. Some people it's a townhouse, some people it's just renting a, a space, a condo, um, right? So like figuring out what do you actually need for shelter, right? Yes. Um, and like, there's places in the world where shelter is much cheaper than other mm -hmm. places of the world. Correct. And then you know, look at all the other things with regards to like food and 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 security and all those as you kind of move your way up that ladder, right? Um, I, I think that's a great kind of walkthrough because when you look at behavioral change, lifestyle is always the like. How are you changing this for life? Not just like a quick little fix, as you said, instant gratification to get what you need and then kind of it's uh, fizzles out and it's gone, right? Like you have to, as yes. you said, you have to have a plan. You have to be at the right point. You have to understand what that process, and you talked about your four Ps, your passion, your purpose, and then the actual, like, what is the process? Like what is, yes. what is the actual program or whatever that you're going to do, whether it's in business or in life? So I love that. Real quick on that. I, I think you brought up a valid point. I think a lot of us spend a lot of time on talking about where we want to live and how we want to live. You know, those are big priorities, but when you actually start with, well, why do you want to live? You know, mm -hmm. like it, it, there's, you'll find that it influences those other two uh, yeah. greatly. And, and it, but it also gives us that extra confidence uh, to, to commit to that, you know? And, and um, I, I know when I think back on it, uh, it, it's when I think about that, why question, you know, it, it always reminds me of Mark Twain. He had a quote that said, you know, there's, the two most important days of our life are one, the day we're born and two, the day we figure out why, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it just, it always resonates. And, and it, so it, it is still a big piece for us. It's like, well, why are we doing anything? Like, and it, so it's that internal dialogue. It's those questions mm -hmm. that we ask ourselves that are often the most guiding questions that we could be asking and not always easy to answer. That's the problem with why questions. Yeah. They aren't easy to answer. They take time. You got to reflect on it. You got to think about it. You got to be sure about it. You, know, yeah. you got to trust that instinct in you that it is the right decision. And and then there is a little bit of faith that's involved, right? And yeah. uh, or hope. And and but yeah, it, it, I, I liked how you put that. I think it was uh, really well said. And um, yeah, ask yourself, well, why do I want to live first? And then figure out where and how. Yeah. Uh, but I think when you start to look at your options, you'll realize, yeah, there's developing countries out there where the quality of life is, in my opinion, in Bali, the quality of life was on par, if not greater in some situations uh, versus what we were getting in Canada. Yeah. Yet at less than half the cost, Yeah. you know? So wow, hello, that's, there's some options here. 
you yeah. know, and if it means uprooting my family to move to a developing country, well, it's a choice that we were willing to, to experiment with and see what happened. Yeah. And uh, we are back for education purposes. I'm back in Vancouver now. We moved back pre-COVID. It was not anything influenced based on the pandemic. Yeah. We'd already made the decision to relocate back only because our kids wanted to finish uh, their schooling, their high school in Vancouver. It was yeah. going to be a lot easier for post-secondary and moving in because international yeah. schools, there's a lot of other red tape you got to get through. So uh, yeah. um, we're back for them uh, yeah. specifically. And uh, it's great. We like it. We love it. But it was a choice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, and that's why I like to let people know that. And like, yeah, we're, we're not traveling right now. We're, we're, yeah. we do, we're back for a period of time. And yeah. uh, it's okay. We're, we, we're fine with that. Like, yeah. we love that. We, we, we've also, I have people ask me all the time, well, do you miss Bali? I'm like, well, of course I miss Bali. Like, I miss my friends. I miss my communities. I miss my lifestyle that I had there. Yeah. But I love Vancouver and I love yeah. where our family is. We're together. We're on the same page. We're all working towards something and uh, we're here to help each other do it. You know, yeah. so, I mean, you can put us anywhere and we'll make it work. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's that resiliency. I want people to feel confident that it's in them. Everybody has this ability to be resilient. Yeah. There's a reason why the human species are top of the food chain, yeah. you know, because we are resilient. We adapt yeah. either very quickly or very slowly. Yeah. It is completely up to us. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And I think, um, just continue with that, the, the change piece, right? Like change mm -hmm. for a lot of people is, is scary. Right. And, I look at like, I love change because change is, is novel. It's something new. It's something exciting. Yeah. So for instance, when we first talked, when you were uh, heading over to Bali and you were going and doing that and you, we like, we talked about it, like, that's, that's phenomenal. And then you, like, I was following a lot of the videos that you were doing um, on, on social media and seeing kind of what you're doing. And like, it almost makes the person who's over here thinking, man, I'd love to do something like that. Right. Yeah. Like a yeah. pool in the backyard, you know, uh, the, I remember the glass kitchen doors. Yes, just yeah. kinda, oh my gosh. Probably. Yeah. And you're just like, it looks like a vacation almost permanently. Like, I know it's not, there's still business going on. There's still education. There's still all those things, but it was changed and it was exciting, but moving back to Canada, like Canada is exciting too. Right. Like, like, especially like I, I love the West. Like I love Vancouver. I love Calgary. I love Banff. Like you're in Whistler right now. Like, like I, I love, I love mountains to me. Like I love yeah. mountains. I love ocean. Yeah. Um, I can't pick when people are like, which one would you rather? I'm like, ah, <laughs> have you been to the mountains? Like, yeah. Um, can I have both? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, and you can. I, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think the, that, that change and then being comfortable with that. Mm is something that for some people is difficult. They, they like routine, they like getting comfortable and you have to be able to have that, um, that ability to change and, and be, as you said, adaptable to different situations as they, mm -hmm. as they come up. So what I want to talk about now is, as I said, at the very beginning, you were the first person mm -hmm. who I ever heard the word tribe mm -hmm. from. And I just wanted you to go into like, what do you mean when you say tribe, just for the listeners who don't, maybe don't understand what that is and why it's so important to have one? Because I know you talked about personal and, and corporate branding, uh, but just talk about the word tribe and what that means for you and your following. Well, so tribe and, and just to, to give you some background on that and even the term, like I had heard people like Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, I think Amy Porterfield. Um, th th there's a number of like just amazing thought leaders in the digital space, mm -hmm. and 
I, I especially Seth Godin. He's got a book, I think, called Tribes. I'm trying to remember if that was the title of the book that I read, but he, he makes, uh, if anybody follows Seth Godin, or if you don't, I would encourage you to follow him. Yeah. He, he, he's a prolific content creator. Yeah. And he just, he's someone that recognizes trends. And, and he speaks to those trends. And he tries to dive deeper into it and, and really figure out, well, why is this even happening? You know, mm -hmm. and, and because once you understand how to read trends, you can start to see trends before they even happen, right? Yeah. You start to recognize there's patterns here. But there's one consistent thing in all these trends. There's always a community there, yeah. you know, that either adopt the new trend or the new way of being or the newest thing. Uh, there's a community around that. There's a tribe of people. And when you think tribe and community, they, they are very uh, similar. Um, mm -hmm. But when you think about tribe, there's an older history to tribe, right? I mean, you go back before technology became a thing. It was all based on these, these tight communities. Yeah. Like I, I just think about the blue zones as a primary example. The blue yeah. zones, uh, Dan Butner's research, uh, just amazing, you know, these these little pockets, these five little places around the world where people live to be 100 or older, you know, they have greater density of people living to that age than any other place in the world. Mm -hmm. Five of these little hot spots, right? Or they call them the blue zones. And But when you look at that community, tribe, is is one of the nine factors that they attribute to why they have this longevity. Mm -hmm. And so there's something there. There's something to that. Yeah. And then on the flip side, Right. You, you have people like Bronnie Ware, who wrote The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm -hmm. And one of the top five regrets that that she found in the people that she asked, you know, she was a, someone that would care to uh, tend to people. She was a end of life um, practitioner. You know, mm -hmm. she would she would support people during those final periods of life, you know, just basically people waiting, waiting to, to pass on. And she would have these conversations and, and there was five recurring regrets. Like almost every single person she talked to. Is there any regrets, any things that you wish that you did? And you know, almost every single person, same five. Yeah. One of them was, I wish I'd stayed in touch with those that I care about. Mm -hmm. You know, with those that were closest to me. I wish I'd kept in touch with my friends, you know, my family. Yeah. It, again, that alludes to this relationship piece, this this community piece, this tribal piece. And what happens when we don't have it? We miss it. You know, we are social beings. Yeah. We're not beings being social, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I think these are really important things to remember and, and to, to, to reconnect with and, and not fight. Um, yeah. So when we start thinking about tribes, it's nothing new. Community development is nothing new, but the way we do it is different than what we used to do 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at Toastmasters as a prime example of how, a tribe of people that are looking to be better leaders and better communicators pivoted so quickly when they could no longer be in person with their events. They went to Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, they went to online. There was a lot of people that didn't make the leap initially, but have now come to, to adopt that. But they were very quick. pivot. They just had their international convention, which has never been done online. It's always an in-person event, three days. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah, It's a global Toastmaster event. They have hundreds of thousands of clubs around the world, you know, and they all went online to this virtual event. That is something that they never would have even imagined before, yeah. you know? So, you know, most of the limits that we create are just based on us being so accustomed to doing things the way we used to yeah. without believing that we could reinvent or rediscover new ways of doing them. And, uh, and I think so developing tribe is very important because without a tribe, without a community, you can't really have a brand. Yeah. 
You know, you, you can't. I mean, I guess if you want to just sell it to your friends and family, great. There's a, already an existing relationship there. But if you want to go beyond that, you got to connect with people on a much deeper level, yeah. you know, and there's usually common interests. And what are those common interests? Maybe it's a common journey. You know, like I look at the fitness industry, it's really easy to see how we've commoditized ourselves. You know, yeah. like everyone's selling. I saw a lot of trainers go very quickly to their Facebook as soon as the gyms closed or as soon as they couldn't train people in person that they were trying to pivot very, very quickly to monetizing now their businesses online through digital means versus in person because yeah. they had to. And I saw a lot of people just spraying the internet with sales messages, right? And I mean, it's, we're in a pandemic. Do you think people want to be sold personal training right now? Like yeah. it's, it's interesting, but that there was a fear response there guiding that decision, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, my income has gone to zero overnight. What the hell am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to blast my social media because I got some connections and offer up some services. But the connection's not there. The story's not there. The, the reasoning behind the ask is not, not there. And, yeah. and usually it's because the, the no like, and trust has not been developed deep enough. Yeah. And so in developing community, even leveraging like a private Facebook group, uh, a private WhatsApp feed or a messenger feed with certain individuals that are expressed, hey, I have this same challenge and I want to work towards a, a solution to, to allow me to feel this way. Because it usually always comes down to what's in it for me, right? There's a yeah. connection there. When you're part of a community, why are you a part of that community? There's a motivating motivation for you to be a part of it. Yeah. What is that motivation? And you'll probably find that if you ask everybody else in that community, they probably have a similar motivation. Mm -hmm. There's a similar itch that they want to itch and that's why they're there and yeah. it could be a certain type of support but at the end of the day there's a result that's being created mm -hmm. by you being there you know i mean why do i join toastmasters 11 years ago because i wanted to be a better communicator yeah i want to be a more effective leader and i knew that being able to speak in front of a group whether it's five people or 500 people i needed to work that skill yeah i needed to develop that i needed a community to support me through that process and there it was. There was a Toastmasters tribe that I could align with. Mm -hmm. And they've helped me. It's been instrumental. I would not be here having this conversation with you had I not made that commitment 11 years ago to step foot into my first Toastmasters meeting. Yeah. I guarantee it. I would be a very, I wouldn't be on this call with you. I just wouldn't be because I wouldn't have gone down the path that I did that has led me to where I am today. Yeah. So it's, it's so impactful. These little communities that we think are small, but they are actually huge. doesn't matter how small they are. It, it, it can pivot things in your life very quickly if you allow yeah. it to and if you align with the right group so yeah with, with 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 tribe with community you can call it a client base you can call it a voting base yeah. <laughs> you know voters are also a community that yeah. support a common outcome right yeah. uh, so when you look around your life you'll probably see there's tribes everywhere yeah. <laughs> little pockets of communities aligned with a, a a similar want or desire or passion or need uh you know th there's lots of similarities and it's just a matter of figuring out well what do you want to stand for yeah you know what is your polarizing position within the fitness industry yeah i i did you see that article that talked about the the court I, I think it's more of a fake news type thing but they were making fun of that they've made burpees illegal 
don't know if you saw that article, but they, they were no. talking about there's a court decision made in this little country that burpees are now illegal. You can do them on your own, but it's illegal for trainers to program it. Yeah. Legal for people to, to, to program burpees and make you do burpees against your will. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it was really funny, but it went viral. But, yeah. you know, it could be a community of people that are anti-burpees, whatever. <laughs> like, there's lots of fun stuff out there, right? Yeah. Um, I find them so painful, I might agree with that. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so yeah, that, that's where I was going with that. And, and for myself, you know, it, it, I got my first taste of this many years ago when I was just starting to build my online platform. I remember my wife and I, uh, we had this conversation one morning. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to launch an online challenge. It's going to be the 300 a day challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to invite people to do 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and 100 squats every day for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so it was all body weight based, no equipment required. You can do it anytime, anywhere. It doesn't really matter. And it was accumulative in the day. So it's not like you have to sit there and do 300 reps all at once. I was yeah. just like, you know, take little breaks throughout the day and just do like five, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and do 20 sets of that throughout the day or 10, 10, 10, and do 10 sets of that throughout the day. Either way, I just said, just get some basic activity in there. Yeah. I threw it out on Facebook, created an event page, invited like 50 people that I knew that I thought might be into it. Next thing you know, we had 1,400 people within 48 hours say, I'm doing this. And we encourage people to post their photos of wherever they were doing it around the world. I had people on the Parthenon, you know, friggin' over, <laughs> you know, halfway across the world yeah. doing, doing push-ups on the steps, you know, or, or, or their sit-ups. Like it, it was wild. Like it was all over the place. And yeah. uh, it, it was people that came together saying, listen, I want to align with a cause and share that with others. Yeah, and, and it was amazing to see how it aligned and everybody was supporting each other. And it was just having fun with it. And it involved fitness as well. And right away, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think there's something to this. I think, you know, there's more to this. And then it just sort of spun out from there. You know, I just really got obsessed with creating communities and community initiatives and bringing people that had a common goal or challenge that they wanted to solve. Yeah notice that like and i always say this people come up with products all the time and i'm looking at all these trainers that are trying to be like lose weight i'm like lose weight that's a benefit that anybody's going to have working with any trainer and if you're not having that benefit then i I wonder well what are you doing you know like that's a different conversation but to just say you lose weight and make that your main thing it's just like that's what i'm talking about commodity there's no differentiation there there's no reason for me to align with that message than with anybody else it's saying the same thing yeah. So it's finding that thing that people can align to. And you know, I always say one problem, one solution. Yeah. Actually, he's in Toronto. I don't know if you've talked to Yuri, Yuri Elkim. No. I used to remember that. He's like, it's sort of that, I, I quote him in a lot of my presentations only because I remember the one question that he would always ask is like, yeah, what would you have to do to make it impossible for your clients not to get results? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a great question to ask oneself. And, and so I say, like, when you create a product or you create a service offering, you're going to create a community of people that you're going to support in a certain way. Well, what, what is the one problem that you're going to have a one kick-ass solution with, you mm-hmm. know, and you're going to get known for that solution? Yeah. And uh, so it helped me with my marketing as well, getting very clear on what was I putting out there? What was I inviting people to say yes to? Yeah. Is I'm not trying to sell people on anything. Yeah. I'm trying to invite them to make a decision. And if the decision is important to them because the result's important to them, awesome. Then get out of your own way, say yes, and just start doing something about it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and you'll find that as you build this community, these people are already connected to other people that are similar. Yeah. You know, and and I still do everything organically. 
Like people yeah. are like, well, what's your paid marketing strategy? I'm like, well, I don't have one. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah. That's why I may not grow as fast as a lot of other online marketers, but I'll tell you when it, it, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I wasn't looking for rapid growth. I'm looking for continuous, constant, dependable growth. Yeah. And that's why I prefer the organic method. And if you do both, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, you know, more of a hybrid, uh, but we can talk about that later. But uh, uh, yeah, so that, that's sort of the piece on community. But Adam, I look at you and you, you've been building community one event at a time for years yeah. and years to the point now that, you, you know, you are very well known in the space that you serve. Yeah. And you have a community of people that have benefited from what you've taught. Yeah. And, and in turn, this podcast is another extension of building a community of people that have a desire to see improvement in certain areas of their life. Yeah. And professionally and personally. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing because this is, this is how change happens. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. Uh, but look up Seth Godin and tribes. And, uh, I think he's got some great blog articles on it, especially. So you don't, and he's done amazing podcast interviews where he talks yeah. about this and, and he has a way more eloquent and more detailed response than I do. <laughs> um, but I'm just referring from my own perspective and what I've experienced. So please, uh, take that to heart and, uh, realize there's people out there that have a lot more knowledge on this than I do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just start building community. That's the, yeah. the best thing I can recommend to anybody. Yeah. And I think for, for a lot of people, um, getting in is they don't necessarily understand how, like the steps to take to create community, right? Cause as you said, some of them are like, okay, well, I'm going to be a, a weight loss coach. So yeah. that's, that's going to be my, my thing. So then everything that we, that you post is about want to lose weight. Here's some training. Uh, here's how you um, lose weight here. Like, and you give a few little tips here and there. Uh, but as you said, like there's, so many people around talking about weight loss. Yes. Um, and like, I, I wouldn't even be the one who'd say that I'm the expert on weight loss. Cause there's probably people out there who know far more about weight loss, mm -hmm. whether having experienced it personally, having had a whole amount, like a large amount of success with clients previously, both whether it be virtually or in person. Yeah. And so I would be like, well, that's not my specialty. And, and really fine tuning. And this is something that I talked to um, Alex, who I was talking about the PTDC when I yes, did his interview. Yes. Uh, we talked about that as like narrowing in on like, what is, what is your target, like your target yes. market that you want to go after. And so can you just speak to, for somebody who maybe doesn't have, doesn't have a tribe, it doesn't have necessarily a community or a following yet. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they were just an in-person trainer. All they had was a personal account on mm -hmm. Instagram where they just, it, maybe it was private and it was only just friends and family that they invited in. How do they then step from that point into creating this community of people who, and, and like attract people who think the same mm -hmm. way, who um, are potential future clients down the road yeah. when you do end up saying, well, hey, if you're really interested in this, I do have this right? right and starting to monetize perhaps some of that community how would you how would you get somebody to start that community 
I won't go too deep down this one only because I do have that. I've got a free three hour workshop people can watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I apologize. It's three hours. It's a, it's a whole <laughs> lot. Of, as Adam said right at the beginning, it, it, sometimes when you see me speak or present, uh, it, I forget I've got a lot of years on this stuff and I just yeah. like brrr, dump it. But um, yeah. I, I've got something called my first 10 client framework or blueprint. Yeah. And it goes into like, if you were just starting from scratch or even just in the early stages of developing this uh let's just say it's an online portion of your business. I'm not saying you're building an online business, but maybe it's something that's going to be a hybrid. So you're going to have a little bit offline and a bit online. Uh, it, it will give you direction and tips on best ways to start that and some of the best practices. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I know for myself, uh, especially if I frame this, like if I was to go back and start again, mm -hmm. what would I do? I would instantly, uh, probably want to survey my existing audience. And this, and this would include people I'm connected with on WhatsApp, in my cell phone that I have like uh, on iMessage, like it doesn't matter. It's just people I personally know. Yeah. Uh, I would it, basically, rather than having one-on-one -on -one conversations, I would create a simple survey. It could be use Google forms, you know, really easy to create something really basic, something easy that people can fill out in, you know, 60 to 90 seconds, yeah. but things that identify or, or help people identify where, they have challenges in their life, especially as it relates to the potential niche that I'm considering focusing yeah. on. Yeah. Right. And notice I said that, like, if you're going to do just a broad survey talking about a lot of different things, that's not going to help. What anybody. should I specialize in? Yes. <laughs> don't, don't, don't leave that off. Yeah. I, you probably already have something that you do really well and you do better than most. Yeah. And I always say like, figure out what is that secret sauce that you have that you know is your secret sauce. Yeah. And if you're not sure what that is, well, there's exercise you can go through to explore and pull that out. Um, we don't have time to talk about that today, but yep. it, th there is a way to, to sort of get that from you. It, it takes a little bit longer because mm -hmm. it's an act of discovery, not invention, <laughs> as yeah. Simon Sinek would say. Yeah. Uh, so it takes a bit of time. But if you have a general idea of what you're really good at already, well, I would craft a, a survey or, or I call it more of an interview, an online interview, mm -hmm. right? Uh, with, with individuals to find out if you're on the right path. You know, these ideas that you have and these concepts that you have, these pains that you believe people have that they want to, to solve, are you actually accurate on that? You know, yeah. these assumptions is again, validation. And the nice thing is that in that, I usually have at the end of my survey, a couple of very specific invitational questions. Mm -hmm. And they're questions that say, listen, I'm in the process of, you know, thanks for, for taking the time to give me your input. I really value that. And if you're open to me having a deeper conversation or asking you more questions on this, just leave your name and an email here. And, and I'd love to reach out to ask you more questions later if I have any. Yeah. And then I'll follow that up. You know, if there was a program that did this, this, and this, that provide you this, this, and this type of result, you know, and, and this is ties back to the initial questions I asked. So if they've already answered the questions in a certain way saying, yeah, I have a challenge with uh, scheduling time for my workouts. I really don't understand how to, to, to fuel myself for, for optimal performance and life performance. And, yeah. you know, like I'll have certain questions that are very specific to the program or niche I want to serve. And it's just a little invitation. If I, would you be interested in more information on what that looks like when I finally develop it? Yeah. Yes, no, or maybe. And I've always found that. And it's funny how Pareto principle just shows up all over the place. You know, the 80-20 rule. Yeah. And it, it's almost always 80% say yes. Mm -hmm. Almost always. Now, of those, I would then reach out to. And I would have a, a follow-up conversation with them and just review some of the questions that they'd answered and say, well, here's what I'm developing. This is what it's going to look like. And would you be interested, you know, in being a beta tester? Yeah. 
you know, and it's a small nominal fee and I would usually present. I wouldn't ever give it to for free. Mm -hmm. That's what I did in the beginning. Yeah. And if I could go back, I would have put a little nominal amount, not, yeah. not a huge amount, but something that people could say yes to, but it'll be enough skin in the game that they'll treat it seriously. Yeah. So I would usually say, you know, for the cost of what it would be for one PT session, if you're a personal trainer, you know, make it the cost of what one session with you would be like in person. Yeah. It's a good place to start and then provide them a certain process that they can plug into. Yeah. You know, for what set duration, maybe it's a four week, maybe it's an eight week, 12 week, I don't know, 30 days. It's, you got to figure out some of these logistical pieces. Um, and, but I would find from those conversations, 80, 20, again, would happen. Yeah. In some cases it was 80% saying no, 20% saying, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but I've also had certain ones where it's been my most recent, uh, I did a launch last, um, you see the, the neat thing is sort of just to, to, to allude to what you can build. If you start to have these types of habits and you start to work this, and I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but yeah. as you build a community and a tribe, uh, of people that are aware of what you do, you've been delivering lots of value to. So they have a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings about you because you've helped them a lot. You've either yep. inspired them, you've motivated them, you've educated them, you've entertained them, but you've just done what you do very well and they know who you are and mm -hmm. they, they trust you. Yeah. Last summer, I, I put out a call, uh, just one single post on Facebook and on, on LinkedIn. And it just shared a little bit of my story about being a dad in his 40s and being the fittest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And that normally kids... Family commitments are the excuse of why we can't maintain certain levels of health. Yeah. Where I wanted to flip that and challenge people to, to have the other opinion where kids, family, life is actually the reason why I want to be healthy. Yeah. You know? And it was a simple call to action that, hey, I've got a program. It's called the Dad Body Project. I'm looking for some guys to potentially uh, commit to this process. It'll be a 12 week commitment. Yeah. If you're interested in learning more, just comment below or send me a private message on messenger. Mm -hmm. I had about 20, 23 inquiries, 24 inquiries, yeah. scheduled 16 calls, made 12 sales. It was, you know, 23,000 in revenue yeah. within seven days from one Facebook post, yeah. right? Like it, it's, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm not saying this to be boastful. I'm just sharing that this process it can be reiterated in many different ways once you've built trust yeah. with your community, but also you have to be very confident that you can produce a result for a client. Yeah. That is the underlying factor. Yeah. If you can't help your client produce results, as Yuri always says, you know, what do you have to, what do I need to do to make it impossible for my clients not to get results? Yeah. You can't figure that out. <laughs> I, I'm not here to say don't, Start developing your own online programs and products yeah. and services and business. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying don't rush into it. Yeah. There's some things that you're probably going to want to figure out and iron out beforehand. Yeah. And that's where the survey and the questionnaire process can help you gain clarity. But I say don't waste the opportunity because there is a way to, to, to find out who is already that low-hanging fruit or the interested parties, yeah. right? Like th there's people yeah. in our networks already that are probably ready to be a client of ours. Everyone has this. And I don't care how small it is or how big your audience is. I know there's people there that are probably already ready. If they already knew that there was even an invitation or an opportunity to work with you, would probably want to work with you. Yeah. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. And, and so it's uh, developing the, the, the messaging mm -hmm. and the content that not only develops the, the knowledge of you, but it allows people to start to like you and trust you and eventually 
uh, and I, you know, it sounds a little cheesy, but love you too. You know, yeah. like they yeah. really love what you stand for and how you show up. Yeah. And uh, that can be very powerful. It can be yeah. very influential, but it can also make it a lot easier for people to just say, yes, I trust you. I'm in. Help me. Thank yeah. you. And yeah. dude, there's no greater feeling than that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know if that, did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, that okay, was great. Yeah. Sometimes and, I wonder, I'm like, oh, did this actually answer the original question? What was the original question? I don't even remember. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so I had a better ask. No, and I like the plug too. So, because uh, you mentioned your you, that you have the uh, My First 10 Clients framework that, yeah. that is that three hour. And I've actually done that before with you. I think I was like one of the first times you ever did that. Yes. I was, I was invited to be a part of that. And for anybody listening, if you haven't, whether, whether you're in the fitness industry or not, whatever it is, if you want to monetize something virtually um, or monetize a, a product, like take it and, and just like the, he walks through everything about what you can do from the start to the end and then um, really gives you like, as it, as it says, a good framework for the steps to take in order to be successful so that you don't trip up. You don't make the same mistakes that uh, I made when I first started, that I made when he first started. So yeah. So if you'd have a chance, definitely go and do, do that uh, or reach out to die um, and uh, like on Instagram or Facebook, and he'll Thanks. be more than happy to, to set you up for that. Um, yeah, I do, it, like I said, it's a free three hour workshop too. So people yeah. can dive into that and uh, have fun with it and um, be ready to take a lot of notes. Uh, yeah. I, but I've had a number of people reach out to me that have only ever done the free workshop. I've never worked with them personally. Yeah. They sent me a few questions here and there. Um, and I, I love that stuff. Uh, but they just took what I taught and applied it to what they were trying to do. And yeah. uh, I've had a number of uh, very nice emails that have come through saying, I, I can't believe it. I've generated an extra $2,000 a month revenue since I've done your, your, your workshop. Yeah. And I, I love that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Okay. This yeah. is, this is very accessible to anybody and everybody, yeah. uh, but it just takes time. It just yeah. takes time. Just uh, man, uh, like, God, I hate the cliches, but I keep throwing them down because it's what we resonate with too. Right. But <laughs> it, it, it is a journey, right? It, it's yeah. not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon as they say. And uh, if you're okay with that and you're good yeah. at pacing and you're okay with the, the tempo, uh, man, uh, you you can create whatever you want to create. Yeah. Um, but just make sure it aligns with that passion and the purpose. Because if it doesn't, it's really hard to sustain it. You're going to yeah. get back into that same situation where it's like you start dreading what you're doing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the last thing you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love, um, actually, we'll, like, we'll finish part one here with, with the quote that you keep saying about, um, you know, what can I do? So asking the question, what can I do to make it impossible for you not to be successful, for you not to reach your goal? And I love that because I use that whether I'm working with a client, whether it's mm -hmm. virtually or in person. So I ask them, what can I do to make it impossible for you to fail? So if you've mm -hmm. got a goal of weight loss, uh, muscle mass gain, or if it's even more extreme towards what I'm actually really good at, which is either high level sports performance or injury rehabilitation, like what can I do to make sure it's impossible for you to fail? Yeah. Um, or even in class, right? Like I, I teach at Centennial College. So talking to the mm. students, like, so this is the start of the semester and this semester is going to be really weird because it's all online. But right. what can I do as the, as the instructor, as your mentor throughout this course, what can I do to make it impossible for you to fail? 
right, right? outside of giving you all of the answers for every test right. and every assignment, right? Like without being a softie, what can I do as an instructor, as a, an educator to help you be successful? And mm. I love just asking that question in every state, like every situation, ask, like, ask your wife, what can I do to make it impossible for me to fail as a, as a husband, as a father, right? Yes. Like asking that question, I think is, is, is a phenomenal blanket for a lot of things that a lot of people just don't want to ask, I think often because they're scared of the answer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're scared that you're going to say something that either you don't feel as though you're capable of doing, or it's going to be something that is just so extraordinary. You're like, I, what did I sign up for here? Um, but I love that. So thank you for, for bringing that up. I, I always wondered where that quote came from because I've heard it many times before and yeah, I've started to yeah. use it myself. Um, so, so thanks for um, bringing that up. But yeah, uh, no worries. And it, just to, again, like Yuri Elkame uh, of Healthpreneur. Uh, if yeah. you look up Healthpreneur, you'll see him. And uh, he, he's a local Toronto guy. Like, uh, so it's another, another Canuck. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also know like, because PTDC, you talked about that. And I, I know yeah. him and Jonathan are, are quite good friends. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually how I met Jonathan was at an event that that Yuri hosted. Oh, okay. And uh, that's nice. actually where that connection actually uh, originated many years ago. But um, anyway, so I, I do want to make sure that he gets credit for that quote. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it is. It's been very instrumental in in my life and businesses. And uh, I, I I'm glad to hear that uh, it resonates. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, I want to get into a lot more about uh, mm -hmm. specifically about social media, about um, laying out kind of the process for monetization, automatization, mm -hmm. like all those types of things. Sure. Um, but we will do that in part two. So we'll see That's you later. That's great. Sweet. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.